Welcome to the next lockdown edition of Sounding Board. You can find us on YouTube. You can find us on all your favourite podcast things, including Spotify and Google Podcasts and iTunes. Uh, we're here once again, unfortunately, in lockdown, Andy. Um, but that's just the way of things for the next few weeks. I mean, there are hints. There are hints, aren't there, that actually this might not be for too much longer. I'm, I'm really hoping so, just for the for the sake of the economy. And, and you know, you know, I'm no fan of the NHS. But how is it going to get we'll paid for that? <laughs> how is it going to get paid for if nobody, if the, if the tax you know intake gets you know gets goes down the pan? We'll just we'll just keep inventing money. It's fine. We'll just that, keep, that's just keep modern economics. It. Yeah, that's, that's, that's yeah, you're way behind the curve on modern economics. I mean, I've been so I've been I've been I know I know last time I talked about being black pilled about the economy. I've been black pilled about currency for years. For a long um, time, yeah. a long, long time. Um, there's there's a book I read uh, called Paper Money Collapse by uh, a guy called Detlev Schlichter. Who's uh, uh, he, he blogs quite a bit, but he's he's an absolute genius. Okay. And uh, you know, basically, n- no fiat currency has ever worked. They either yeah. they, they all fail or they get you know they go back to some kind of gold standard or something before they do. Um, and fiat currencies coupled with fractional reserve banking are just you're just on a hiding to nothing. So I've always thought it may be, you know, twenty or thirty years and, and we're gonna to have to do something to you know to, to go back to the gold standard or, or or the you know sterling will collapse along with the dollar and, and all, all the fiat currencies around the world. But now if they're just gonna keep printing money and printing money, it's just gonna accelerate it. So it's gonna happen a lot sooner than than I was anticipating, I think. Unless unless they stop doing it, of course. But they're not going to stop doing it. So I uh, make a note of this date and time. You're you're saying I'm not I'm not holding to you this. I just think it'd be fascinating if in thirty years time we're we're all doddering around doing a podcast and uh, and it's the day that the uh, the currency collapses or whatever. Um, and we or, say or remember game. that time in 2020. <laughs> exactly. So that's a fairly easy one to remember. In 2020, you you gave. Fiat currencies another thirty years. Is that kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking about thirty years. Although it could, if it, but it could be sooner. It could be it could be sooner if they keep doing what they're doing now. You know, obviously with those quantitative yeah. easing, um, you know, we get some kind of either a disaster or some kind of you know economic catastrophe every five years or so, or or every ten yes. years. It's just going to accelerate it. Well, so um, today is the fourteenth of April when we're recording this. Um, a load of different, I say economic numbers are out, but they're all obviously you know, predictions, models. Whether it's the IMF or the OECD and all these other all these other groups um, that uh, come out and say what they think is going to happen, what they think is happening right now, uh, all obviously showing massive dips. You know, the the, the biggest recession since um, since the Great Depression, um, something like. You know, predictions of thirty-five percent um, getting lopped off the economy um, globally. Talking about losing an economy the size of Germany and Japan put together, I think is what I read this afternoon. Wow! Um, having said that, a lot of the graphs show uh, an almost equivalent uptick afterwards. Um, I don't think anyone, anyone who says they know what's going to happen afterwards economically. Uh, I think is I think is crazy that right from the word go there was talks about the the, the, the V shaped um, you know economic step 
that we were going to take. Well, that's if people that's if people don't lose their jobs. That's if people don't lose lose their jobs at the bottom of the V. If they lose their jobs, they're not they going to have any money, and, and they're already exactly. They're and already so losing. it's certainly not going to be an equal shaped V, is it? You know, no. I can I can imagine that it's going to you know go down very very steeply and then slowly come back up again. But how long that takes, and and actually, I mean, it's a, it's a false comparison, I suppose. The, the whole getting back to where you were thing. When we've talked about this again, about how stupid the measure, you know, GDP is as a measure anyway. Um, all the talk at the 2008 financial crisis was about getting back to that, you know, the point we were at again. Like there was some kind of lost decade in the middle. Um, and, and, yeah, that's how the media spin these things. Um, but it will it will be fascinating to see how, how they do ease it. You know, they're... The term exit strategy has been thrown around, but then now they're trying to pour water on even that term, aren't they? Because they're like, well, this isn't just about snapping your fingers and it being all sorted again. Uh, this is about easing it gently. Um, uh, but, you know, I've, I've read all sorts of stuff. I've, I've also read that they're going to have trouble easing it because people are still going to be too scared to go outside. I personally think that's going to add utter nonsense. Um I, obviously, there will be some people, not least of which those that are probably suffering quite mentally um, from being inside all the time uh, and aren't taking maybe their you know daily government sanctioned exercise. Um, uh, yeah, there are going to be some people developing um, agoraphobia um, as a result of this. There are going to be some people who just won't go out. The vast majority of people, surely, if they were to just lift the lockdown tomorrow, are going to be out on the streets partying aren't they of course they are the government says it's not all fine now so i'm going back out again it's yeah oh, let's not let's not cover the trust in government figures again because that's just that's just too depressing let me move you on to boris the man of the hour <laughs> you're talking, so he's you're out talking of, about his his speech from from he's yeah. a, he's out of hospital and i'm talking very much yes about his little video, and I must admit, this is one thing that I've observed recently. I mean, this you know, over the last year or so, um, it is now much easier to get a message out to people, the people, um, via social media, uh, and I'm including, you know, YouTube and things like that in social media. It's not. I think social media is isn't a good enough term for all of these platforms, particularly. But the point is, if you it, it's still media and comparing it to the legacy media where you've got to sit in front of Laura Koonsberg or whatever or get on the Today programme. I think the government approving, you don't necessarily need to do that in order to get a message out there. And obviously the legacy media will pick up on some of these things. They will report what someone tweets and they always have. Uh, but now Boris can just look at the camera post it somewhere it'll it'll get out there well yeah it'll it'll get out wherever he posts it whether it's on twitter facebook youtube you know linkedin yeah, it'll get whatever. shared on all the others but then with 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 no more effort at all the legacy media and the corporate press will pick it up and they'll just pick it up and they'll just stick it on their you know stick it and on their websites it. and they'll report it and it'll be on the news and yeah so it's, so it's now dead easy i'm going to assume that uh, all of our many, many listeners and viewers um, have watched and listened to uh, to this video. They probably both have. But 
well, our parents. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I want to I want to point out. I, I mean, I'm I'm going for the I'm I'm going for what hurts here, obviously, with you, which is talking about the I mean, NHS. I mean, he talks about the NHS throughout all of this, but he talked about the public forming a human shield around this country's greatest national asset. He, he is such a socialist. He is such a, and I know, I know you and I have been saying that he's a socialist for a, for a, for a while, uh, or at least fifty percent socialist. But he's he's now he's saying that the most socialist bit about you know about the state um, is the best bit of the of the entire country. You know, not just not just this is the best thing that we do as a government. This is the best thing in Britain. And it's just, oh, it's appalling. Um, yeah. And so when I when I heard that first bit, and, uh, you know, and let me let me read the rest of that sentence. We are making progress in this national battle because the British public formed a human shield around this country's greatest national asset, our national health service. So obviously, our obviously has to be our NHS now. I did uh, I did pick up on that because it's 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 now yeah it, for the for the past couple of years I think everyone's yeah. been calling it our NHS. Yep, um, but it's the only reason we're making progress. That what all we're doing here is trying to protect the NHS. We're not trying to protect people. We're trying to protect the NHS. Now that might that might be a stretch, but skip to the skip to the end. Well, no. So Stay the, at home, the institution protect our NHS and save lives and and save lives. The... Stay at home, protect our NHS. The, the the institutions are more important than the individuals under socialism, comrade. So that's that's this is socialism but it's through not even, and through. But it doesn't say he's not saying protect our society, protect our people, protect our NHS. The NHS comes first. I know. The NHS yeah, he's, comes he's first. A, he's a socialist. You know that's, that's 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 why that's why North Korean you know had a famine in the nineties because they they didn't want to go to China or anywhere else to get food. It was all about we need to keep Korean pure. We need to keep the institutions. It, it's the same yeah. in the Soviet Union. It's the same in China. It's it's all about you know the infrastructure, the institutions, the socialist way of life. That is more important than any individual, or indeed more important than the collective itself. You know, they, they, yeah. they have these mass famines all over the place because they don't want to roll back or, or make any changes to their beloved socialism. So, yeah, yeah. He, that's, that's, it was like a Trotsky speech as but, far as I was concerned. Well, but the whole, the whole speech was, was like it was trying to say the NHS is our weapon in this fight and there is no other way of defeating this other than to use this weapon our, as you say, greatest national asset. In, in case people think we are, you know, underlining this too strongly, he, he does revisit this at the end. We will win because our NHS is the beating heart of this country. It is the best of this country. It is unconquerable. It is powered by love. So I don't think, I don't think we should be accused of... Um, Overplaying this? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, uh, I, we're not reading into this, are we? This is this is what he said. And I see you say socialist, and obviously this is socialist. What what we've identified Boris as being for some time is um, 
is the centrist, is the ultimate centrist. And he's trying to you know, very much take both sides. And, and he communicates that. Uh, you know, you've you said it before when he you know, brings his hands up and he's sort of like the private sector paying for the public sector and this, this perfect blend. And I have said recently um, about how, well, in fact, I think ever since um, since before the election, I was saying that I feared that he was trying to get to this, this perf- in his view, perfect 50-50. Yeah? Perfect, 50/50 equilibrium, divide. perfect balance. Exactly. How can you get more centrist than that? Perfect 50-50. I'm, I'm going to go further now. I think, I think his 50-50 is 50% NHS and 50% everything else. I mean, on the rate, on the rate that it's growing... In you know, in in ten or fifteen years, that's not unlikely. Um, you know, and in, then the amount that we therefore spend we're talking sixty plus percent, seventy percent of of the of the economy of the money spent will be on the public sector. I mean, that if that isn't socialism winning, if, I don't it, know what is. I I don't I don't. The only reason I don't think that will happen is because I think, I think. Where's any, the breaking point? I think the breaking point is before then. I think the. Where's the, where is the breaking point? Why haven't we reached the breaking point? Again, is is this coupled with the currency? Is this that we need to have a currency fail in in order to to realise that each time the public sector grows, you can't just print your way out of it. Well, so how do you how do you get to that point? How do you get to that point of, of spending so much money on whether, regardless of, regardless debts. whether it's the, the you know whether it's the NHS or other parts of the state? If you want to get just to the point where it's say fifty percent state, um, yeah. you have to tax the rich people far far more than than anybody else. You can't just keep taking from everybody. So you have to tax tax the rich, and they will just sod off. And they'll they go. They will. Yeah. So it just it won't. I don't think they'll be able to get to the, to, to that fifty fifty split, because all the rich people will leave. The economy will just tank. It will get worse and worse and worse, and they'll somebody will get in um, and and say right, See, okay, we need to. You know, remember remember when Hollande in France did a similar thing um, a few years ago, and he decided to tax all the rich at seventy five percent. They all left, yeah. and he had to roll that back. Sweden did it. Sweden used to tax the rich at one hundred and five percent, more than a hundred. Yes, yeah. um, and and then they they all sorted off as well. So it's but it's, it's impossible. But you see, the cynic in me says they they always start by trying to do that. The rich all sod off, and then what they do is they just put up the taxes on everyone else on everything they can possibly find, and so they do get that money in. But they never actually get it from the rich, which obviously allows them to demonise the rich, um, and they're always the scapegoat. If, if only, if only we had their money, then you wouldn't have to pay it. Okay, I'm gonna. I I might be rolling back here, in that I think I think it might be possible to spend fifty percent. Uh, I think it is, but it, the only the only way they're going to do that. Is exactly how you say they're going to tax every. Yeah. They're going to tax everybody Everything. else. Five but times. I think if they need to, okay, this is this is this is my prediction. If they get to that point where it's we're spending fifty percent, they'll actually be spending less in real terms than they are now because the economy will be that bad and people won't be doing anything. Ah, 
Do you see what yes. I'm saying? So they might be spending fifty percent of GDP, but GDP but the will economy be, will be smaller. Will be tanking. The economy will be far, far smaller. Yes, and then they'll have to. They'll, they'll have. To, I mean, obviously, they'll have to impose restrictions on people leaving and and you know and follow the GDR. And, is that and, right? But you see, is that that that's where you think this would get to? You think this would get to not just the rich leaving who can just up sticks and head to Barbados. Well the rich will leave the rich will leave quickly and then when, when they see that happening they'll have to put these things in place and they'll tax you know the middle classes and everybody uh, a little bit more. But you think in this country, in the UK, if they if they try and get to this fifty percent mark they'll actually have to try and close the borders. They would I think they would have to. I don't I, I don't think I don't think they'll get that far though. I th- I think I think people will have had So there and... are some automatic stabilizers. <laughs> there are some uh some things that because they wouldn't be willing to do um that would be automatic breaks on on getting that far you think. So we're just stuck I... in this shit territory. Where it's it's not so bad that it breaks, which means that we we actually move quite far the other way. But you know, we just stay in this. I've I've said for a while, capitalism is so good, so good. Free markets and free enterprise are so good that it's quite all right now, even with all of the state. Just think how good it would be without it yeah but, just again just 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 thinking the thinking this through though so i mean the conservatives are very very statist uh, and they you know boris is at least 50 percent socialist um let's say they carry on down this route and it doesn't work and it just gets worse and worse and they keep taxing more and more and and you know with, with the, the economy shrinks and shrinks and, and goes downhill for the the next few years until uh you know when is it 2024 when we get our next election until Keir Starmer gets in. Well, yeah. So, what about if Labour gets in? And it might not. It might not be Keir Starmer. Maybe they get they get fed up of him and somebody. You know, he because he, he's tanking at the moment. Maybe he just doesn't do very well for two or three years, and they think, "Hang on, we need to get somebody new in for uh, for you know for, for the for the general election in a couple of years' time." Uh, Diane Abbott, it's your turn, or whoever, <laughs> or or John McDonnell, or or, or that, right if John any, McDonnell any or Diane Abbott. Become the leader of the Labour Party. Or Richard Bergen. They are not. They, I'm gonna let's add Richard Bergen to that list if you Rebecca must. Rebecca Long Bailey. They are not. They. Angela Rayner. <laughs> none of them. None of them. You still not named a person that can credibly win an election. I don't think. No matter how shit. Okay. Conservatives. Andy Burnham. Do on the economy. Andy Burnham. Now you're talking. He could win an election, and he's yep. very left. And he, he he would and he would he would move to the left if the conservatives move to the left, which they are doing. He would move even more to the left. This is the problem. This is the problem that uh, that the conservative party can't get their head around is that they think that when they go to the left, it's all right, and that that doesn't somehow drag the rest of the country along with them to the point where they get used to those elements being very lefty, and so it makes it easier for them. To vote in a lefty, and all they need is someone who is—we said this before—not a terrorist sympathizer, <laughs> not an anti-Semite. Yeah, then that, that is vaguely credible. Um, actually, I mean, and Andy Burnham is an excellent example because he's not been around in Parliament for all of the Brexit shite. No, no, Whereas he's Keir, Keir Starmer 
as just automatically disqualified because he was the shadow Secretary of State for leaving the European Union and had a, a ridiculous policy on Brexit. So Andy Burnham is, a, is an excellent candidate. I, th- I, think, I think Andy Burnham will come back. I genuinely think he'll come back. Uh, I think when, he's when, an excellent when, communicator. When the, when the time well. is right, he, he's he's good in front of the camera. Like you say, yeah, he's yep. a good. He's a good communicator. He's more, he he comes across as being quite reasonable, but he is actually pretty far left. Um, so he 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 will tickle the right boxes for the, the average Joe, uh, who will lose you know lose faith in the Conservative Party. Has an IQ of a hundred, and you know the, Did... the, the average person will will vote for Andy Burnham. And and after after the, after after the five or you know a few years of Conservative failure with Boris, the country will vote for a Labour government easily. Did. Did Andy, but this is how memorable he is to me. Did Andy Burnham lost to Ed Miliband. Run, run? Did he run for the leadership against Corbyn though? Um, yes, he did. Yes, he <laughs> but did. But he got eliminated early or something, didn't he? Or he he threw his backing behind. I think he. I think Corbyn, he. I think. I think he said he got because he didn't got, he say vote for, vote for me to broaden the conversation preference. Didn't he? Did, but didn't he say vote if, the, if you're going to vote for Corbyn, vote for me as a second preference? And that's how he managed to stay in the race for a bit longer. I'm not sure. So I I, I remember him getting because I my money was on him um, because I, I oh, thought really? he, I thought he was a shoe in for for the Labour leadership. Yeah, before that I was saying no, it's Burnham all the way, all the oh, way. Really? And then Corbyn came in, and and he was struggling to get he was struggling to get his 35 or 36 votes or whatever. And Andy Burnham, who who rocketed and was like the first to get you know to get all these what votes, said, "Vote for Jeremy Corbyn now. Um, we need to broaden the debate because right. I because I've, so, I've already reached my limit." So it was in part, partly I think down to him, and I think that's probably the greatest mistake he's ever made. <laughs> right, hold that thought, because even though we've just said he could do it, he could be the one. I'd like to just put a pin in his name as well as a candidate for the Chukarumuna Award. On that, because on that basis. That, uh, because, and, and what he will do in the future. I'm saying that is an indicator that he might not, might not be the smooth political operator that we are making him out to be right now. Yeah. He certainly was a bit of a non-entity before. I mean, not as much, much as Sadiq Khan. No, I mean, is that is that that's his one mistake though, isn't it? I th- I don't think he made. I mean, so so far the winners of the Chikaramuna Award have have all made multiple howlers. That's why I'm saying. So I think I don't think he's I don't think he's quite there this yet. This is a black mark. This yeah, is, this is enough for him to be nominated, but the Chikaramuna Award absolutely is reserved for utter failure. So um, it's not like Chikaramuna went on to become mayor somewhere. So. Uh, and and you know for for Burnham to become mayor of Greater Manchester is it yes yes um, somewhere up north um, that yeah it's a shrewd move it's a it's a shrewd move um, just while we're talking about um, I mean I don't know if, I don't know if he'd, if he'd put I don't know say, saying all that about him I'm not sure whether he'd go so far as to limiting freedom of movement whereas someone like Richard Bergen would. And Rebecca Long Bailey and Angela Rayner, they would—they're they're off the table. They are—they are off the table. They're not getting in. They're just not getting in. Okay, what about Barry Gardner? 
Just because you and I like him. <laughs> but the public would like him as well. No, I don't think so. You don't think so? No, he's not. He's not, I don't think he's credible. He's a he's a pit bull, and he makes good TV, and he's got an amazing. He holds your manner. attention. He holds your attention. That's not enough. That's not enough. But you see, this is why you listen to that Boris video, and he holds your attention. He's an. He's Boris is such a good communicator. But you, that, doesn't not... matter what the media say about him, about how rubbish he is. He's an excellent communicator. Oh, he's, he's fantastic. But we're not talking about now. We're talking about in a few years' time when the Conservatives have gone down this socialist path, have completely screwed it up. The public are just crying out for anybody right. in else. Your, in your hypothetical here, is Boris still in charge or is he, is he gone? Has he been ousted? Because if Boris is still winning, I think, I think people would walk through fire for him. I think, I think that if he's still the leader, then I think then they would vote Conservative. I think Conservative members would. Lend me your vote again. I'm not sure. And I will see this through. But you've got to to take into account that the economy has been tanking for years. And it's, you know, it's... I think think your Conservative members won't get rid of him. So I think, yes, he will still be in charge. But I'm not sure whether the public would be with him at that point. All these, you know, all the Northern voters who've lent him, you know, their vote last time around... Um, yeah. I don't think they're going to, if the economy is tanking and they're losing their jobs, I don't think they're going to vote for him again. They're just going to vote for anybody else. They're you lent vote me for your Barry vote. Gardner. You lent, me, you lent me your vote, Mr. Northern Redwall voter. You lent me your vote before this pandemic. And it's the pandemic. This, it's COVID-19. It's coronavirus that's meant we're in economic hardship just like the rest of the world. Look at the rest of the world around us. So I need a bit more time. You know, lend me your vote again, because it's this hasn't just been a normal five-year parliament where I've been judged on only my actions. This is events, dear boy, events. Yeah, and then you look at Hong Kong and Singapore. No one does. Really well. No one does. Look at them for the last five years. Look at them for the last 20 or 50 years. No one does. Trump will get in again. Um, and America will do well because he'll probably slash taxes, and uh, you know, so they, they, they will be doing. Be- America, we'll America will, will do better than us. America always does better than us. Um, that's, that's because they're, they're, they are less socialist than us in general. Yes. Oh yeah. Even the Democratic oh, yeah. Party are less socialist than the Labour Party. I would say. Um, in fact, there are lots of democratic policies that are actually quite right wing. Well, yeah, but then there's also some. I mean, they're the they have the loons, but the loons, loons. don't get in. They don't, the loons yeah. don't really get in. While we're talking about political futures, and I know we've moved on, but at least at least we're talking about something specifically other than COVID nineteen. So I'm enjoying this. Um, George Osborne is he? Got, don't sigh. Has he got a future? I hope outside not. of the media and inside of politics again. I hope not. Because he's, he's no, no. Forget hope. Rubbish. Forget hope. Um, I think he's savvy enough to 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 wangle himself some kind of a role somewhere. It won't do anybody any good um, because he's awful. <laughs> but I, I think I think he's savvy enough to do that for sure. I I think he should have gone down the Andy Burnham route personally. I think he should have. I think Lee, a I think Northern Mayor. Yeah, he had a Northern constituency. He was a, he was a Tory tough and had a Northern constituency. He should not have gone to the Evening Standard. He should have, he should have quit some of his many bank jobs 
and I think uh, I think leaving I think leaving politics was a bad was a bad idea for him. Um, but yet, he's not Chukaramuna award material. Not yet, anyway. No, because he he hasn't. I mean, he's he left the field quite, you know, calmly. If anything, I mean, there's the stupid briefings about chopping up Theresa May and putting her in a, his freezer. Um, which was a little flouncy, but it wasn't as flouncy. It's not like the letter that Alan Duncan wrote when he left. <laughs> no, and even 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 the things that he, you know, the punishment budget and all the all the awful predictions that he made, uh, he did. He seemed to get away with all that. Um, yeah, he's Teflon, isn't he? Yeah, he but is for sure. I see. I I think there's there's a, there's a chance there's a chance that he does. I bear in mind, Boris left the House of Commons. And then came back again. Um, I mean, I know he, he had, was he, he but, was he was still in politics. I like Burnham. Um, he was the most powerful Tory in the land before David Cameron. Yeah, because he he stuff. he joked about that, didn't he, on the eve of the twenty ten or you know on the twenty ten election, saying you know hopefully I won't be the most powerful the, the Britain's most powerful <laughs> Tory by the end of the evening. Um, exactly. Um, but I can I can see I can see George Osborne in a couple of years. Running for running for parliament again, whether it's by election or in the next election, um, he's still not old by any political standard. Well, he's not much older than me, I don't think. Um, yeah, he's only his, um, he's only his forties. Um, his forties, yeah. Um, uh, so uh, I, I think I think George will be back. <laughs> Maybe no. I was going to say George Osborne versus Andy Burnham at the dispatch box. Who knows? <laughs> I mean, that would be that would be as dull as dishwater, wouldn't it? Um, it was it yeah. So I don't think he's. I mean, he's not doing. He's not doing well with the Evening Standard. The Evening Standard, their numbers aren't. Aren't you know? They're they're not doing. They're, they're not as popular as they as they used to be. Apparently, and, right. And they're free, so you know, it's it's not. I don't think he's doing a particularly brilliant job with them. Um, you know, it's difficult well, to it's difficult to screw up a free paper, but you know, it's 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 almost. Like you know, George Bush and managing to screw up an oil well. Um, you know, it's uh, maybe it's yeah. in, the, in the name George, um, but he's. I don't think. <laughs> I don't think he's doing particularly well there. So they could, you know, they they they, they could get rid of him. In which case, see, what would he do? What would he do if the Evening Standard get rid of him because they're not doing very well? What, where would he go? He'd have to do something reason, in politics. He'd have to. The, the reason I bring him up again is because. He is Boris, okay? They. Where are you going with this? Just it, like he's not Boris in terms of you know a great communicator or anything like that. Are you talking but about policies? Policy, yeah. In terms of policy, he is Boris. He's another one. He's another one that he just he can't. He's he's never been able to bring himself to say it. But it's strong private sector to pay for the public sector. That's exactly where he is. Living wage, all of that kind of stuff. That's him. He is. He is very. He is very big government, and he is. I guess he. And here are the socialist bits that we're going to pay for. I mean, he's just. He's. He's the out and out statist because he is both, both left and right, isn't he? In in the way that we right. you know, we define these terms, you know, he's so he's done. He, he he loves the NHS and education, and he's all for spending money on that. But he's also. About author- authoritarian control, and he's not—he's not for free markets. So he, he would never say like Boris, ah, "We need to have a free right. market to pay for this." He will say, "We need a highly regulated market to pay for this." So I think to some pay of for it, some of his 
his areas are actually more right wing than Boris. Absolutely. There are obviously unders and overs in all of that. What he's about is about good government, good regulation. I know you're cringing, but this is what he says and this is what he believes know, in because he is one I'm of not, the people. I'm not cringing because I'm disagreeing people. with you. No, but most... I mean, I've literally heard him say say this um, about, you know, about... In fact, no, what was it he said? Um, I heard him speak somewhere. Uh, it was the, it that, was that the, big, the, tent the big Tent Ideas Festival. And I, he I, came I, in I'd, at the end. Yeah, I'd gone. I'd left by that point because I wasn't interested in, in, in listening to him. But you, you stuck you, around, you scarpered, you? And I stuck around um, and uh, stood next to Robert Peston, <laughs> listening to George Osborne. Um, uh, he's tiny, by the way. Robert Peston, he's a very small man. Um, and, um, and it was wise intervention. That's the phrase that stuck in my brain in my brain. And at that point I just started backing away. <laughs> <laughs> it was yeah, why wise intervention. And the thing is though, the, that's where the majority are. That's the reason that they they think they can win. It's why Boris knows. I said this before. It's like Boris, I've written a blog post you know, months before the election saying he's going to win because he's all about the centre ground and he communicates it and it's where the people are the the majority of this country do believe that there should be a a, a free um a free a free market or regulated market that pays for the for the public sector you try and have a conversation with anyone on any social platform about good regulation wise regulation and intervention and they're blinkered they're completely and utterly blinkered and they can't possibly understand that you can't get in quotes good or wise by just voting someone in or appointing someone that that that, that that's not how you get quality or performance in any other walk of life yeah no i'm with you i'm i'm, I'm absolutely with you just i was just thinking then um about regulation um because you know the ventilators that have been made by all these Which private ones? Sector companies, and uh, all of oh, them. Right. Yeah, I don't think they've any, not been approved yet, have they? None of that's my point. None of them have been approved. None of them have passed the regulation. So people, are, people are dying because they can't get access to these regulators because they're. I mean, presumably the Dyson one ventilators, but good, um, good Freudian. What did I say? You called them regulators. <laughs> <laughs> ventilators. Um, so presumably Dyson's. Uh, ventilator is different from all the rest because he's just a, a genius and he just designs things differently. So I'm assuming that, that it's 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 you know although, although the behaviour is the same, it's probably manufactured differently. Do you, do you remember? And it hasn't got past regulation, so people are probably yeah. in ICUs in need of dying. these things, and they're, they're they're dying because of regulation. It's and, uh, and that is extremely sad. Absolutely, and it's because the regulation isn't about outcomes. The regulation is about meeting a so-called standard, isn't it? It's not about does that person now get oxygen and therefore is alive. Doesn't matter what it looks like in the background. Uh, it's about meeting certain criteria that they think should be in a ventilator because other ventilators look like that. And so mo most regulations are based on someone going, well, they look like that now, so that's what we're going to make the regulation look like. It is. Regulations are the complete 
opposite of innovation. And and they're also so the regulators, the people, the people who, who who get these jobs as regulators, and indeed, you know, most people in the public sector, they're they're bureaucrats. And yeah, bureaucrats. Well, bureaucrats are more, and you get, and, and you don't just get them in the public sector; you get them everywhere. So, um, you know, you get them in particularly large companies. But bureaucrats are more interested in the procedure than they are yes, with the, the outcome. Process. That's that's yes. that's the difference between yes. these people. They're all it's all about the procedure. That's their job. Doesn't doesn't matter about the outcome. It's all about yeah. following the process. So for them, yeah. the, the the regulation is all about this process, and that's what they're concerned about. They're not concerned about whether people live or die at the end of this. They're just concerned with you know with, with their remit and and, and they following. cloak it. They cloak it in safety and risk and life, don't they? But it's it's but it and, is a cloak. You know, you're right. Some it is counter counterintuitive that uh, actually introducing more risk in people's lives often means that they will be um, more safe. Because they're aware of the risks and they have to learn how to adapt to the risks themselves, um, than uh, than when government takes those risks away or, or you know you outsource them to to the regulator. Going back to Dyson, he he fought the EU, didn't he, a few years ago because of his Hoover designs or whatever. I say Hoover; he probably doesn't like using that term. <laughs> his vacuum cleaners. His, his vacuum designs, yeah. Um, uh, and it was all about the power. It was the power, power ratings. Yeah, it was the power. In fact, output. right, I remember now because the um, <laughs> at the office we bought we bought one of the last well, not a Dyson. I can't don't even know what the brand is, but we bought one of the last vacuum cleaners that you were allowed to buy before a regulation kicked in. This was my business partner. He, he was like, "I want the most powerful." vacuum cleaner that money can buy not the best not the best this is this is the, the jeremy clarkson style okay i want the absolute highest power rating of any vacuum cleaner ever specifically one that next week we won't be allowed to buy and so we have this monster in the office with this you know engine on it um but and so they so they they specifically um, you know banned anything with a uh, you know, power rating over a certain amount. But what um, what Dyson actually went to argue in the European courts? Oh, God, I must admit I forget whether he won or lost. I think he lost, just because that's the way the EU are. He argued that the tests were not done. The test of vacuum cleaners that in order for a vacuum cleaner to pass a regulation and to be licensed that the tests weren't real-world tests. It's specifically, they included having no dust in the machines. And so the test was... Did you not know this? The te- I'm, just, <laughs> the test I'm, just, I'm just laughing at having to have a vacuum bags. cleaner license. It just, this is... Oh, well, I'm, I'm using the term license. It might not be there, but that's essentially what it is, isn't it? It's, well, no, it, it's, it's effectively that... a license to, to produce vacuum yes. cleaners. In, in all intents and, and purposes, it's, it, that's what it is. Um, and the the tests, and they probably still are, were based on not uh, yeah they were based on suction power, but unloaded. And so they were doing these tests. I don't know how they were doing it, but based on you know empty bags. And what Dyson was saying was, hang on a minute, our technology 
the suction is maintained at a lower, it's not nothing to do with power, our power ratings are lower than everyone else because our engines are better than anyone else's. But the way our technology works is that even up until the point where the bag is full of dust, that suction level is maintained. Whereas with other vacuum cleaners, as soon as it's a quarter loaded, half loaded or more, even up to the, you know, before it gets to this max line on, on things, suction will start getting reduced. Well, yeah, because it sucks, one, it sucks through want? the bag, doesn't it? So yeah. as soon as the bag gets clogged... But even on ones that don't have a bag, I, you know, they, he, right. he's saying his, his stuff is better uh, and, and doesn't lose suction. And the regulation isn't about what happens when you're halfway through a room or your house. Um, that's how stupid the regulations are. But again, another great example of uh, regulations um, and... Obviously, I know the argument on the other side of this, but the, the Volkswagen diesel scandal, it to me, should not be named that. It should be the EU regulation scandal. Because again, what it was all about was hit that number. Hit that number. This is how we do the test. Hit the test. Just this, pass the test. This is that kind of All we need theory, you to do is it? pass the test. Sorry, say again. It's almost it's like that fence theory again, isn't it? As well, you know, totally. it's, it's like you know, you give someone a limit, and then that's what they'll that's what they'll hit. Yeah, yeah. And so it was about meeting the regulation, not about producing a, a better car. And again, because the tests weren't real world conditions. No, and it, so of course. All- it's all you about the the, the 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 you know the laboratory laboratory conditions. Uh, you know you're driving, you know in, yep. in whatever you need to do, whether it's in you know fifth gear at twenty miles an hour to kind of to hit these you know hit these arbitrary yeah. guidelines, um, and then as soon as you tap your foot to go any any faster at all, it's it's completely out the window. But as long as you hit that, you know, as long as you hit it at some yeah. point, you pass the test. Yeah. So Andy, what we just need is we need. Better regulations. <laughs> no regulations. That's what we need. No regulations. Um, I mean, it's yeah, it's 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 difficult to get people to understand that all regulation is bad. Um, yes. You know, but I would be I would be happy with laissez-faire regulation at this point. I think you know if, if they just dialed it down a bit, you know, I'd I'd, I'd be happier. Um, yeah, it's the creep. It's the fact that, again, in the same way, you can use the same argument with any any state institution, I suppose, or this is in the state, you know, the, the national government, local government, whatever, but national government certainly, because it has more power in the first place in order to nationalise things or invent agencies or whatever. But it's the fact that no matter how small it is, it will always get bigger. A regulator, there, and unless there's some way, and again, this all comes down to there being a constitution, and if there is a constitution, then you can change the constitution. So that's also a problem. But unless they are constituted not to grow, not to try and seek out a new way of regulating, whereas that's what regulators do. You know, Ofcom is out there digging around, trying to find what it considers to be, and you'll love this word, harm. Because an internet connection or a telephone, you know, a mobile phone or Wi-Fi or or the TV, the things that Ofcom has a remit for, because they can cause you such great harm. Harm. I mean, it's nonsense, isn't it? 
it's it's kind of getting into the sort of five G conspiracy theory realm, isn't it? Um, all right, all right, Eamon. <laughs> it's yeah, it's 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 crazy. And, and, I like see, I love it when someone like Eamon Holmes feeds something like this. I I love it because anything that shows that the people on the TV are morons is a good thing. <laughs> Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Any, anyone in anyone in the legacy media uh, or the corporate press, um, yeah, the more they make themselves look stupid, the better. As far yeah. as I'm concerned, uh, just before we before we kind of move on from regulation, I think the only hope we've got is that technology moves at a rate faster than regular than the regulators can move at. That's that's it is that's our, our only hope. Um, you know, yeah, that we move quick enough that, that they can't regulate fast enough. Um, that's that's you know that's what I'm, I'm I'm hoping is going to happen in the next few years. We get so technologically advanced in all areas that the government simply cannot keep up with regulating us. I mean, there's there's certainly signs of that um, because regulators don't understand software. I mean, that's that's just a given, isn't it? I mean, can you think of an example that would go against that statement because I, I can't no they, and I can don't I, get software I can think of plenty of examples where they don't understand they don't understand software they don't understand encryption for example oh, uh, no. yeah they don't understand but, Bitcoin they don't understand you know so no. many of these technological advances but but again you see the, the the point about software versus hardware you you know you can you can see how a bureaucrat can pick up an item and go yes, I know. I can measure this. I can see it. The, the physical is what regulators love. The virtual blows their minds, doesn't it? They've got no idea. They've got absolutely no. I mean, it, I think it was David Cameron who was talking about, you know, banning encryption, wasn't it? It's like, well, okay, how are you going to bank? How are you going to do your banking? It, you know, how's, it was, any, how's anything going to function? It was on his watch, but let's let's not forget that it was Theresa May as Home Secretary. Mm. That was, you know, spearheading this movement of, of course, we don't want to stop strong encryption. We just want a backdoor for the, for the services that we deem necessary for government. And it's like, how how can you not how can you not get that just because you've created a backdoor that 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 doesn't that doesn't mean that you're the only one who can use it. I mean, it's just it's just nonsense. So um, I've actually got I've I've unfortunately been very busy. At work, I've not been. I've not been furloughed. Uh, I've not been. I'm not part time. I am working. I'm working harder than ever at the moment in in my job, and so I haven't had the time to spend with the kids. But top of my list. In fact, we were supposed to do it yesterday. Um, I'm going to try and find time to do it tomorrow. Uh, is teaching certainly uh, my seven year old encryption. Oh, with like a with, a with a dice and a pen and pad and exactly, exactly. Um, he loves the he loves spies and codes and you know he's a seven year old, so he loves all that kind of stuff and cracking codes. And so I've been talking about encryption with him. Does he know the um, difference between a code and a cipher? No. So you... we're going to go into all of these things. I, all I want to go right into the basics, but specifically, specifically. You know, one-time pads and all. I, I, that that's where we need to be. And and the idea that obviously you can't ban encryption. 
are you are you banning the use of dice, pencil, and pad? Is that is that what you're banning? Um, that the fact that you could, you know, obviously it would be a bit cumbersome. Um, but if you wanted to, um, uh, you know, ban WhatsApp or whatever from using encryption, then I'll just write my messages down first on uh, using my my homemade, um, you know. I was going to say Stone Age, but not, not quite that, but um, <laughs> Steam Age uh, version uh, of encryption. And then I'll, I'll send my messages like that. And I'll even make it look like it's a message that you well, can read. So, so, so you and I could, could quite easily write an application in, in one, of, one of a number of languages exactly. that, will yep. just, that will just use a particular cipher on a certain day we, that yep. we would share with each other. And then I could just type a message into this, into this application it would then, you know, it would then, you know, recode it um, or, you know, or, or whatever and uh, encrypt it. And, I'll, and then I could paste that into WhatsApp on the web, send it to you, and then you could then decipher it at the other end um, very, very yep. easily. Um, yeah. And, of course, the bad guys won't think of doing that, Abby. <laughs> well, that, like all of these things, it only, only actually affects the good guys. People just going about doing their everyday things, like banking and shopping, like talking to their friends. That's what these things would affect. They don't affect the bad guys at all. The, the only bad guys that they do affect are the idiots. And those idiots, bad guys, are not going to be around for much longer well, anyway. Well, they're useless in, in, anyway in because, because they're idiots. Yeah, it's, it's like... It's like yeah, it's they're like... going to get caught for whatever reason. It's like gun control and and you know and 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 you know and drugs and all these things. Yeah, you, know, you just you just stop. You know, criminals can still get them. Criminals still get drugs. Criminals can still get guns, uh, knives, whatever. You know, all, all you're doing is 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 stopping average, regular, good people from you know from these things. Yeah, now, yet yet another angle on uh, on regulation and uh, banning things. Uh, which is essentially what regulations are anyway. They're like bans, aren't they? I'm going to ban you from doing a certain thing in a certain way. It's still a ban. Yeah, they're just not you know across the board bans. They're like little little mini bans. You know, we're just going to you micro know, you can, bans. You can you can do this in this certain way that we allow, and that's it. Yeah. So are we screwed? Um. I, I am increasingly getting getting black pilled as I've as I've mentioned before. It's it's you've just got the COVID blues. That's that's what this is. <laughs> but it's it's the it's the economy afterwards. I mean, if I think even if we ended even if we ended lockdown tomorrow, I think we've taken uh, such a hit that we're probably in the worst depression that that we've seen for a hundred years or so already. So any and we've only been the in it for great... two or three weeks. The Great Suppression is what this should be known as. That's what I'm coining. It is because it's it's a completely artificial depression. It's completely artificial. It's man-made. It's like it's like you can, you can compare it to like the North Korean famine in the nineties and the Holodomor and all these disasters that were completely one hundred percent man-made. Um, this is I... another one of those. I've been correcting people left, right, and centre, and they accept it. It's not like they. And um, I'm not saying this is as bad as a Holodomor or anything, but you know, it, it's an artificial, uh, you know, an artificial catastrophe, if you like. But yeah, uh, what I've been, people's people are blaming the pandemic or coronavirus or whatever, uh, and I'm interrupting them, saying, 
no, what you're talking about here is because of the restrictions that have been imposed. And uh, without exception, everyone goes, oh, well, yes, it's the reaction to the pandemic. It's not the pandemic itself that's causing this. Did you see the latest stats? Have you seen um, through Hector Drummond's blog or whatever, the various crunching of the latest week's ONS figures? No, I haven't. But we do we do keep mentioning him, so we'll have to put another link because his blog is just amazing. Uh, yes. And it's a, it's a great example of, uh, for want of a better term, open sourcing, you know, the, this kind of stuff. Um, and what they're, what they're finally showing, these figures, is a sharp uptick in the number of deaths. Okay? So it's very much spiking now. Um, uh, uh, outside of the averages of the last five years. Uh, in fact, I think the data goes back to 2013, maybe even 2010. Um, so, yeah, uh, it goes out a few years. Proper spike now. Except for the other 45s. So as soon as you break it down... As soon as you break it down, and there's this wonderful graph, which we'll put a link to, wonderful graph showing uh, with, a, with a scale of number of deaths and on the uh, um, uh, x-axis, the week number, all of the different years for each age group. Now, obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm grouping them like this because obviously there's more deaths for the old and, then, you know, and few deaths for the young. Every single one of these collections of lines has a spike, as an uptick, apart from under 45s and below, where there's no change at all in, in the line at all, in the averages. Um, and this is actual 2020 figures for the number of deaths. It just, it just doesn't go up. So this, there's an argument. I, I've always said this right from the beginning. There's an argument that we should be isolating the old and the vulnerable. Oh, for sure, for sure. If you've got any kind of underlying condition, or you're if you're over sixty-five yep. or whatever, there is um, a much greater chance of you developing COVID nineteen and uh, and and needing hospitalisation and dying as a result. But the under forty fives should be getting on with their work. I I've been trying to think of a particular. I'm not good at composing a tweet. Okay, I'm I'm quite good at writing things much longer than that. I'm not good. I you know, the the art of the tweet, if you know, is is a, is a different thing, isn't it? Um, but I've been trying to find the right form of words to challenge the idea of um, age discrimination and the Equalities Act, because obviously what we've got here is a situation where we absolutely need to, as a society, discriminate for age. <laughs> And it's against the law. I mean, I don't know actually where the 12-week lockdown of the old and the vulnerable fares. But in... that, was on, that was only a suggestion, wasn't it? That, that's not in law like the lockdown is. Yes, exactly. They were um, advising think, the elderly to right. do that. I think, I think you're right. And I think that the lockdown in law just says everybody, doesn't it? it doesn't, yes. Again, there's, there's no... But if it turns out that what they need to do is keep the old and the vulnerable indoors, but everyone else is allowed to, in quotes, go free, do you think they'll be able to pass a law that is age discriminatory, or do you think they will rescind this law 
and just advise that the old and the infirm stay in. I, yeah. Because of the equality there. Because someone's going to say, but Prime Minister, this goes against everything in the equality sector. Yeah, I can't, I can't see them doing something Literally like discriminating, that. not just for age, but also for disability. That's got, that's got both of them in there. Yeah, I can't, I can't see them being able to do that. Um, in fact, I can, I, can, I can see them, I can see them keeping everyone inside for longer because they want to protect this small group, which it's what they're yes. doing right now anyway. That's that's the um, point. That's the point. But yeah, I've been, I've been trying to I've been trying to come up with a, a, a witty form of words about that um, because it's because it's so nonsense, isn't it? It, it, it? Of course, yeah. Nature discriminates by age, as evidenced in these figures, and yet the well, government, as evidenced by death, that everyone who has ever lived has died, other than you know the, the, the people who are around at the moment. You know, of course, it's it's just. It's really everything, every you know, the seasonal flu, everything. You know, you get anything at all when you're 105. You don't have as good a chance as when you're 25. But, oh, sorry, that's discrimination, Eddie. <laughs> it's just bananas. I mean, and, and you know, we've been, we've been saying all along that you should, and when I say you should, I don't mean it should be mandated, but, pe- you know, the elderly and people who are vulnerable should be, you know, self-isolating, uh, of course. Um but, they should be being more careful, and again, even the term self-isolating and all this kind of stuff is. But I, know, I think I think if I was if I was an eighty-year-old asthmatic or you know or yep. you know had any one of these conditions, I would self-isolate. You know, I would be really careful. I wouldn't go outside for a few weeks for fear of catching this thing. You know, I, I can absolutely understand completely isolating, but I wouldn't expect everybody else to do the same. You know yeah. the the idea that everybody has, you know, the, the, we've got this form of collective punishment that everyone is supposedly guilty until I thought that was illegal. <laughs> you know, guilty without having the even the opportunity to prove your innocence. Um, and so, you know, you or I can't go out on a on a bike ride together, for example, or you know, we can't record this now um, because you know, even though we're a mile away. Technically, see, I think there are contradictions in this, and I'll be interested to see what comes out in court with the people who are willing to challenge this um and i I must admit i've i've wanted i've wanted to be just out on a walk and have a copper challenge me i want to get into that fight i know that's that's like you know i want to i want to challenge even the fundamental principle of them asking me what i'm doing why do you why do you need to even ask me on what basis are you even asking me in law which which law what i'm doing under which law are you asking me what I'm doing? And I'll, I'm, I'm ready for that. And I know that's silly. I know that's silly. Um, I can't remember the point I was going to make now. Uh, but well, you. So you. you I, I was talking about going for like a bike ride or something. You. you, you oh yeah. You, no, you, there you, is. There's a contradiction. I'm sure that it's that they banned groups more than two. Oh, so you and so I I'm can go on a bike. I'm pretty sure. I'm. Well, if we're, if we're two meters apart anyway, what's the big deal? I'm I'm pretty sure. Well, I don't think you and I are going to go on a bike ride together. I think we're just going to happen to go on two bike rides that happen to be two meters apart that we you know, mysteriously seemed to go on at exactly the same time tomorrow. I'll let you know. <laughs> well, unless and and unless we, I mean, it's we'd have to be riding pretty close together to be within two meters. Yeah, so that's, that's just over six yeah, feet. Side, side by side, if we're having a chat, we're probably going to be closer than two meters. 
on the particular dirt track that I'm thinking that we should go down tomorrow. It, we're, you know, unless we're one ahead of the other. Well, you, you, when you go on a boat, you're always one ahead of the other. Someone, you, you're always going. You know, you, some one person will lead, another person will lead. It's unless we're going very, very slowly, uh, we're not going to be side by side. Um, but, but as I say, it's it's gatherings of more than two. So even though we're in different households, my understanding is we can gather as a as a two. So, okay. so potentially we should record a podcast out of lockdown and we will uphold the law by gathering as a group of two and we'll do and we'll and we'll do this but what so what happens if you know so i can't i couldn't see you on my birthday um which is you know really annoying i couldn't see couldn't see my family on my birthday but <laughs> but if i guess thinking about this now if we all went shopping to waitrose at the same time we could have all met up how crazy is that? When, when you say when you say meet, you mean queue two meters apart. I mean, cue, and, yes, and, and and could have had words with each other and actually seen each other face to face in a supermarket. That would have been there's absolutely certainly fine. there's certainly nothing in the law that says we couldn't do that. As long as, and again, this is if the police challenge you on anything, then all you have to do is reel off one of the exceptions that are allowed in law or all of them frankly because they have to surely prove that you're not isn't isn't that how this works you've got to prove that i'm not you otherwise how are you going to build evidence that i'm not doing one of those things i mean it's yeah i'm going on my daily exercise while shopping for something to maintain my house and feed my family i mean i i would i would almost if i if i got challenged i would almost you know, I'd say that I am I am doing one of the things that I'm allowed to do. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but you need to prove otherwise that I'm doing yes. not one of those things uh, because yes. I'm innocent until proven guilty. So if you can prove my guilt, then fine, go for your life. But I don't think you can. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And I've got I've got the, I've got the link and the website open on my phone. Um, should that should that happen? And should I get an well, over, I have, an overzealous copper? Um, yeah, it's it's ready. I've, I've got it. I've got I, it already loaded. I also I also have the legislation ready <laughs> for just such. A, I mean, I, I have. Well, I did actually say hello to a policeman. Uh, there was a. In fact, they were PCSOs. That doesn't count, does it? They're not real policemen, are they? Not really. I'm not saying there isn't a place for them. Uh, there are clearly. It's clearly a rung down in terms of the kinds of things that you have to do. Uh, I, I know people who are happy being PCSOs who do not want to be police officers. In fact, I, uh, I know someone who went from being a PCSO to a police officer, could not hack it, did not enjoy it. So I get that there is a, you know, there's a, there's a different role there that's been created. But there is... I mean, I remember when, when the PCSO got created, we, were, we must have been teenagers, were we? And I just, I just remember... I just remember being that whole. Don't worry, they're not real coppers. You, they can't do you for anything. That was just that was just the line, wasn't it? It was. <laughs> you'd, you'd, are they a, check, check if they're a PCSO and Scarpa? You'd see PCSO and you'd go wheeling past them, you know, wheeling <laughs> on, your your, on your mountain bike because you knew they couldn't do anything. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, they can I call for backup, that. I suppose, but, yeah. <laughs> but you're long gone by, <laughs> yeah. by that stage. Um, yeah. 
Anyway, should we should we wrap this up? Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think uh, we should. Yet another, yet another coronavirus-related podcast. But I'm struggling to even find podcasts that aren't related to this current crisis. And on on the plus side, we're churning them out at the moment, so there's there's, there's plenty of material. Um, yeah, well, because there's lots to talk about. Uh, so thank you very much for listening and hopefully watching if we've managed to get the video working this time uh, to Sounding Board. Uh, You can go to soundingboard.com where you can see all of our blog posts, all of our podcasts and all of our videos. Please subscribe on whatever app you fancy and see you and hear you. No, you can hear us again next time. Thanks very much.